All right, we're in the studio once again for another episode of the Georgia Podcast. Rich Casanova here alongside Michael Moore. We've got a couple attorneys, so we got to be careful what we say today. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> a matter of fact, why don't we cross our hands and put them over our vital parts before we start this one? All right, so we're getting set for another episode of the Georgia Podcast uh, here at Serendipity Labs in beautiful Buckhead. Let's uh, get things underway. We're going to be talking about... Um, a lot of business law, uh, right, guys? So uh, we got Larry, Larry and Plesse uh, joining us in the studio. So uh, Larry and Bob, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, first of all, uh, Michael and Rich, thank you so much for having us uh, on the show today. We really appreciate it. And we're going to talk about contracts, and we're going to try to talk about it at a very practical level, not theory. Uh, talk about things to be useful to the average business person day to day. All right, let's get things going. Here we go. Stand by. Welcome to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Now join Rich Casanova, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. All right, uh, as we mentioned, we have uh, two pros joining us in the studio talking all things uh, uh, business law and speaking to our business audience. I think this will be a great episode. I think you'll enjoy. Uh, I'll introduce uh, Larry and uh, Michael, if you'll introduce Bob. Mm -hmm. So we got Larry uh, Pless joining us in the studio, along with, as I mentioned, um, we call him Robert, but we can call you Bob, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. And uh, uh, Sorrow, is it Sorrow? Yes, Sorrow. Okay, and Larry Pless. So uh, as practicing Atlanta business attorneys, they practice law for a combined 70 years in the business community of metropolitan Atlanta. They have um, led acquisitions ranging in size from six figures to $450 million, including advertising, medical devices, hospital, industrial gases, steel, fabrication, home, healthcare products, technology, and metal coating, among many others. I'm sure you've added to the list since then, right? Absolutely. All right. And uh, so, Larry, you live here in Atlanta with your wife, uh, Dana, and three children and a granddaughter. Yes. Yes. Very excited to be a grandfather of a beautiful two-year-old. All right. Shout out to, uh, to her. All two-year-olds are beautiful Mosey. now. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so as you, as you look at it, uh, growing up in a, in a family here in Atlanta, I heard you say so earlier during the show, you've been 38 years here in downtown Buckhead. In, in uh, Brookwood Hills. Brookwood Hills. That's close enough, right? It sure is. So uh, things you've seen change much? Well, absolutely, and I also grew up uh, in northeast Atlanta, so I've got the big picture, and, of course, the changes are just astonishing. Well, I think we're going to talk about some of those changes today, as if the world of law has changed, and contracts rarely can be done on the handshake anymore. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Yes. <laughs> All right, so, Rich, let's kick it off and roll down the road here. Bob. Well, you want to introduce Bob? and uh... Well, I say, I say Bob lives in Alpharetta, right? Bob? I do. All right, so, so Bob, you're, uh, you're, you're, your profile looks like a, a – the world of attorneys, you know, you've done a little bit of everything and you talked a little bit earlier about intellectual property mm -hmm. and the negotiations of contract, making contacts pure, purely, pure, purely practical and making people to pay attention. Of course, you've also worked in healthcare, You've worked in technology and uh, hospitals and industrial gases. Now, you've got some pretty, pretty hot stuff to talk about there. So, <laughs> well, <I hope> so. <laughs> you've seen some interesting things, I think, occur um, as we've led. You've led your opportunities and so forth uh, amongst everybody. 
Um, and I'm missing all the good things about your family and your bio. Oh. Here. Coach, fill in the blanks <laughs> for me yeah. since I can't read that fast. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, um, and one thing I will say um, just about the various industries that you were talking about, too, and I think we'll get more into this as we go along, but um, there are some things that are common to most contracts depending upon the industries, and then there are also some things that are you know very specific that will only come up in the hospital context or – industrial gas context so you always have to be wary of that when you enter into that i think that's one of those places we use the fine print insertion rule right the fine print insertion rule right <laughs> yeah either the fine print insertion rule or if it's a permit or a license for instance something in the hospital area um, you're really going to be getting into specific regulations and you know government regulations and well back sense. to that fine print yeah because yes. <laughs> some of those things are very detailed to oh, read and you can, you can be one page off and you can be in a whole different world and a whole different set of zeros after this lawsuit right without a doubt i mean regulations can have you know five to ten subparts within a single one so all right let's jump into our first question here so let's uh let's talk about business uh, being a business audience uh, or listenership uh what should people keep in mind big picture wise uh, regarding contracts uh, thanks, Rich. You know, it's so easy to plunge yourself into the papers and get lost in the papers without stopping for a moment and saying, wait a minute, what am I trying to accomplish here? Yeah, what's your so end we, goal, right? What's your end goal? So we always like to think in terms of a grid that has four, four parts. What are your goals? What are your fears? What's the likelihood? And what's the magnitude? And if you approach it that way, you're much more likely to create something that's going to address your needs rather than just be rotely filling out a document and filling in the blanks. It's key that any agreement has to have, has to cover inside its four corners all essential terms. And this, uh, we've seen this uh, manifest itself in some crazy situations where a single blank in the sea of 80 other pages that were complete could send a deal south. Wow. Unenforceable because a key term relating to the purchase price was not filled in. So, it's uh, most important that all essential terms be covered. We have in our office a so easy to say rule, which okay. is if, it's, if that's what you meant, why didn't you just say it? Right. We try to examine everything we do under the so easy to say rule. So all essential terms and clarity. And then there's a third thing, which is there are going to be special rules for any, for a number of situations, not every, but they're going to be special rules. And that comes up in the area, a very hot area of non-competes. It comes up in the, area of things like implied warranties, where you're giving warranties even though you don't know it because the law implies certain warranties. For example, when you're selling a medical device, uh, it's going to come up with uh, things like uh, the fact that you can't uh, make an agreement in perpetuity. You can That paper can talk about the per- perpetual term all day long, but it's just not enforceable. It's actually a, a term at will. So you've got to be alert to these essential, these uh, special rules for any given situation. But again, think the four the four corners of goals, fears, likelihood, and magnitude. I like um, we get kind of the, you would expect the goals, right? Um, talk about the fear. So, in other words, why would people uh, not look to go into this contract or this agreement, or what are the concerns? I guess, or well, it's all about risk, and you know, a contract is really just a risk shifting mechanism. And, and what you've got to do is, you know, it's so you, like the Rumsfeld uh, said, they're the known knowns and the known unknowns. <laughs> what you're dealing with is what are the known risks and then what are the unknown risks? And you really have to think in terms of how can we address both categories? 
And so often, the biggest risk in any acquisition, and that's one of our areas of specialty, is the hidden liabilities from the years of operation that preceded the sale and what's going to happen to those hidden liabilities. And are they going to come to haunt the buyer? And the last thing the buyer wants, of course, is those hidden liabilities. So how do you address that? So uh, that's really what it's all about, that fear category. And ha having a healthy respect for and a healthy amount of fear is an important thing to have in business so that you're not taking unreasonable risks. And the way we see it is it's the role of the lawyer to identify the risks and then have a, a healthy conversation with the client. Let's talk about the pros. Let's talk about the cons. Let's talk about what the, what the likelihood is, what the magnitude is. Let's create a structure to address it, and then let's move on. So it's not to be afraid the sky is falling, right. but instead have a comprehensive conversation so that nothing is left to chance, and so it requires a lot of thoroughness. Reasonable amount of fear that you can monitor and that uh, you can uh, be aware of, right, before you don't go into it blind. Monitor and be aware of, and in your document, have it very clear where those risks came to rest, not have any ambiguity, because one of the one of the biggest threats to any contract is in inconsistent language, ambiguity. We see it all the time. And sometimes the most sophisticated sources of these documents have the most ambiguous language, and it can be fatal to your deal. It should be so easy to say, right? <laughs> so easy to say. Where did and you come up with that? Yeah, for legal reasons, I can't share that yep. with you. Yeah. Oh, so uh, so, so uh, now, is, is fewer words better or not so better? Uh, we we actually have a saying in the office, and so often you hear this: "Less is more." Right. And uh, I think in general, less is more, and a broader statement, rather than trying to get into all the sub nuances, right, is is favored over a really long "but if so and so" and then such and such. Well, that goes back to your fear. I think if people start thinking about all the things that can go wrong, most often some of those things will go wrong, won't they? Does seem to be a connection. <laughs> I like the I like the idea of likelihood. So talk to us about that. Is that um, the premise is if we go down this road, uh, what's going to be the opportunity for success, right? Or well, it, it goes to identifying a particular uh, set of fears around an issue. So if, for example, there's a five million dollar risk, but you think in a rational analysis there's only a one percent chance, then you can. You can almost algebraically work out right. what the dollar amount of the risk is, and that's quite different than if it's a $5 million risk and a 90% chance. Mm -hmm. And so you really do need to weigh it, recognizing that you know everybody's crystal ball is in the shop, so nobody has <laughs> or <dirty>. really good <laughs> right, <laughs> or, or it's clouded. So uh, everybody's uh, you know in the same position trying to foresee the future. So I know Michael has some questions here. Last question for this segment for me would be, uh, so what does a contract need to be valid? Right, because you can write documents all day long, right and left, but what actually right. puts the stamp of seal on approval on it and makes it legit and valid? Right, and this is the what I'll call the bare bones, the bare minimum. This is not what's desirable, but it's the bare minimum. So you've got to have an offer, okay. you've got to have an acceptance, you've got to have some kind of meaningful consideration, and that means either a, a promise to pay or the actual payment. And then, of course, as mentioned earlier, you've got to have all essential terms. If you're missing an essential term, you're toast. And uh, sometimes they can, the courts can work in through what's called a parole evidence rule what was intended based on what was in the environment at the time, but now you're really gambling as to whether you're going to win on that. 
So th those are the, that's the bare minimum. And interestingly, if you're missing a single essential term, it's all or nothing. It's like being <laughs> pregnant or being alive. There are no degrees of it. It's either you, you've got all essential terms or you don't. Or essential term of being dead. Or, and you got, or your yeah, you're dead where you stand. Your contract has moved it. So you're now dead let's, man walking. You, you, you two guys uh, are partnering in law. You've got over 70 years' worth of experience. I'm sure you've seen some individual challenges. You know, talk about the um, impact of how important is the negotiation before you get to that final piece of paperwork to anticipate the risk and the opportunities mm -hmm. and the potential for loss. So, Bob, you want to start, start out on that one? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the negotiation period obviously is, is not just important – you know, in, in the sense of hoping to get to a final contract, but particularly in areas if, if you're partnering with someone, either, you know, starting a business with them or if two companies are doing a form of strategic alliance and partnering, the process of the negotiations will actually tell you a lot about how that partnership will ultimately go. And so while you want a the negotiations to be successful, we've also seen over the years where during the negotiation period, you found out that it wasn't the right partnership and in some ways saved some people, you know, before they put the resources in or signed on to something that would be tough to get out of because they learned during the negotiations that they really couldn't work with the people or they just had different visions. You know, negotiations are pretty important, and you talked about the terms. Um, are many people starting to put in in these collaborative agreements and, uh, I guess, mem memorandums of understanding, are they starting to kind of anticipate some uh, windows of opportunity for, I'm going to use the term, renegotiation of this contract? What's, what's going on in the marketplace for those type of things now? That's interesting. So for windows of renegotiation in order to change the term? Well, uh, actually, business terms are changing every year. Yeah. Business environments are changing. And suddenly, if you, if you both, both parties know this is going downhill mm -hmm. or uphill, very fast. Um, do you get yeah. the benefit of being smarter when you started? Well, some of what I've seen, I think that addresses some of that, particularly in like a distributor distribution agreement, is um, most like one of the most important terms would be the pricing or the territory, and that will often only last for a year. So okay. that would give both parties then the right to either walk away or renegotiate. If you put language into an agreement that essentially only that says something to the effect of we agree to renegotiate this in a year, that's not enforceable. That's what we would call an agreement to agree mm -hmm. because you really haven't agreed on anything other than in a year maybe you'll sit down and talk about it. Sometimes we do that to, to force the issue a little or there's a term of art you could say um, – that the parties will use good faith efforts to sit down and negotiate additional exclusive territory. Right, well, that's a, a measure of the goals we said was one of the original first parts yes, of. Yes. So from the different industries, let's go back and look at that because you guys have a pretty broad brush from the medical products industries where you raised an interesting question about in perpetuity versus not. You can't, you can't keep making product just alike for the same long term, as well as talking about mergers and acquisitions because of a bit – Typically, something's changing in the marketplace. It causes one person to grow and one person not to grow as much to cause those acquisitions to be important. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about how negotiations and how you get involved with your clients. Maybe, as we might say, some of those true-to-life human interest stories you could share with us. Of course, protecting the names of the innocent. Okay. And Larry? Did you want to talk about it, Larry? Well, sure. Uh, uh, we've seen uh, 
we've seen a lot of different styles of negotiation. And uh, I'll, I'll point out that there's one particularly effective style. This is something practical that people can use, and it's called tit for tat because there are two basic styles of negotiation, cooperative and aggressive. And in a study, it was discovered that most people started out, a small group of people in the study, maybe 10% started out cooperative. And when the other side made an aggressive statement or comment or gesture, they rose to meet it proportionately, not disproportionately. And then importantly, they added humor to bring it back down rather than have it escalate. And that was found to be an effective way to avoid the negotiations, you know, just imploding spinning, or spinning yeah. out of All control. Right. <laughs> uh, another uh, practical thing that we've seen is uh, you can't. It's it's rare when a take it or leave it approach works. At least in the American culture, people like to help shape the outcome. Right. So even if you already know what your destination is, don't say what your destination is early on. Drift down or up to it as appropriate over a period of two or three or four exchanges so that people can feel that they shape the outcome. The studies show that people would rather get a worse outcome that they got to participate right. in than a better outcome <laughs> that was imposed on them, them right. and, and they were just told. Uh, we've also found if somebody tells you early on in the process, look, so-and-so is really important to me, and I need to have that. <laughs> Our experience is they rarely back down, and, it, and they're – typically being honest. They're not right. using it as a negotiation ploy. And you can save a lot of suffering and time if you privately account for that in your process. Right. One thing that we've seen, you asked for stories, uh, and it illustrates something that I think is very important. When we negotiate acquisitions, we take a bundled approach where we'll take all the key issues that relate to risk shifting, indemnity, and restrictive covenants, and so on, and we'll and almost in a sifting process, we'll keep offering them up in the process. And in the, as we do that, some will fall away as they get negotiated or given up, but you're always left with a core. And we found that if you're persistent, including on some really key issues, that you might find yourself at the closing table with a very short list, but with some of the one or two or three key issues that are still left. We've had instances where that kind of key issue that could really be important, having to do with major risk shifting, was finally conceded at the closing table and four years after the acquisition came into center stage, became extremely important. And so you take a cautious but thorough approach. You want to, you want to in effect, move methodically but in a thorough way and uh, don't necessarily give up on something that's important to you unless it's clear that it's futile. And <laughs> in, this, in that particular case, it wasn't. We like to say in negotiation that there are Blue chips, bargain chips, and potato chips. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna write that down, Rich. Yeah. We need to use that. Gonna give away some of the. You, you got to stick with your blue chips, except for a few that you're willing to let go. Your bargain chips are going to be traded freely, and the potato chips can show your good nature and goodwill to keep the the, uh, the feelings good. So, Just Bob, is that where to meet more than one? Yes. No, yeah, don't so, let him eat more than one. So, Bob, is Larry the resident comedian then that n brings in that sense of that humor that can uh, soften the, uh, yeah, the negotiation? You're, you're pretty perceptive. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. what he is. So, when you're working so, with <laughs> contract negotiations, uh, it, are there some silver bullets out there? I mean, you've, you've talked about the terms being the critical issue and getting all those negotiated well in advance. And, and as you said, blue chips, barter okay. chips, okay. and potato chips. 
So what have you seen be the number one killer in the different industries for contracts just breaking down? I mean, I know you hate to see two customers go separate or two two, uh, parties go different ways because you'd like to see completions most of the time. Yeah, I think sometimes, and and this goes back to what we discussed in the very beginning beginning about goals, I think sometimes, um, believe it or not, even with two large companies, they might just – start developing this discussion and they almost think they should do business or it sounds like they should do business and it takes on a life of itself and without even in the very beginning even just laying out each side's the top three goals because sometimes by the time we get involved and then we ask that question we pretty quickly see that they either don't have agreement on those top three points that they think they do or maybe really doesn't make sense so a number of times when things break down, it was in the very beginning. And well. the other the <laughs> other piece that would go to that is um, the person that you're doing business with. Well, that sounds like here in the South, it's that old saying, love at first sight, not necessarily good. So you're telling me that, that handshake contracts are good or bad these days? That they're good or bad, or, or are they enforceable <laughs> or Are not? they enforceable? I'll <laughs> let you go down that road a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they, they can be enforceable. You know, you get into some legal technicalities on that but I I certainly always tell my clients um, particularly as they're going down the road of acquiring a business that you want to resist the natural temptation after meetings where maybe you're discussing just the price then maybe you discuss you know a little bit more about employees Uh, resist the temptation to shake hands at the end and say we have a deal Mm -hmm. because they're particularly in the acquisition context there are 300 or more points that need to be nailed down and you don't have a deal um, you don't want to have a deal until you have everything in an agreement that's signed now there are some case law in particularly in Georgia yeah where people shook hands and there were some other facts behind that and the court found there was a deal so that that's why you have to be wary about it but wouldn't you need witnesses for that I mean that (laughs) becomes they said they said right I mean um because if just Michael and I sh- shook hands, then it's uh, my word and miscommunication. A lot of times, maybe it's more miscommunication. Like I, I verbalize what I thought, and I thought I understand what I said he thought, and vice versa. I'll, I'll, uh, this is an area of fascination to me. Yeah. So the statute from the early 1800s says oral agreements are enforceable according to the memory of the witnesses. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it becomes a a jury question of fact. Now, there's a whole body of law of exceptions to oral agreements because some things are just so sensitive that they have something called a statute of frauds that says got to be in writing if it's one of these things. Okay. Examples like a contract relating to a sale of land right. or a promise to marry or to guarantee a debt of another. Those are examples. Uh, too sensitive to leave to an oral agreement. Right. Memory of the witness. Uh, <laughs> I love goods, that. Sell, sale of goods over $500. Used to be any investment security. So that there was a, a bundle of these Some things. benchmarks, right? But there's a blockbuster <laughs> case that came out, I don't know, eight or nine years ago involving Ted Turner and the Hawks. Really? $400 million plus. Uh, negotiating furiously to sell the Hawks to David McDavid. This is all in the news. Right. Um. They get down to a last, quote, handful of supposedly minor surmountable issues. Yeah. Uh, 
one side says come to Atlanta to finalize the documents. Uh, one side prepares a press release. Uh, unbeknownst to David McDavid, they were negotiating with Ted Turner's son-in-law in the back room simultaneously. Oh, my gosh. They were saying, we have a deal. Court said you had agreement on all essential terms. You made these announcements. Yeah, you may not have had the employee benefits section so-and-so worked out. You have a deal, $450 million verdict. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yes, be careful. It's, uh, and for that reason, one, a very practical and important tip is when you're exchanging terms with somebody, even right. at the earliest stages, right. the framework is always these are proposed terms for non-binding terms for discussion purposes yeah. only, and nobody's bound until and unless – they sign all the documents with all blanks filled in. And we so often see confusion around that. We'll hear people say, for example, uh, I'd like to offer this, or I'll accept that. No, you want to stay away from those magic words of offer right. and acceptance <laughs> when you're working out terms. It's just we're having a, a serious – have people kind of beg me, well, can I say so-and-so? We say if, if you really need to say something – Say we're having serious discussions, or if you really need to say something, say we're having very serious discussions. Right. <laughs> but do not say I'm offering and you're accepting. But you can get caught in a trap. So basically, preliminary conversations, uh, not binding. Preliminary right? conversations make them expressly not binding. If you're yeah, talking yeah. terms, say, "Hey, look, these are just some ideas I'm throwing out. This is just for discussion. Obviously, I'm I'm not the board. Right. I'm gonna just throw out some ideas." And and see if you're Limited interested in negotiating issues. power. That's always a good tool. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but and we we've seen a lot of suffering around this because what happens? A better offer comes in, right? And the next thing you know, you now you've got your leg in a trap because you've been using these words because you were very eager at the time, right? To lock them in, and now you need to get free, and you don't have the documents, but you got enough bad stuff that has been put on the table that now you've got a problem. All right, guys, we're, uh, we got about five minutes uh, left here. Just want to remind our listeners, you're listening to the Georgia podcast here at the uh, Pro Business Channel Studios in Buckhead. And, uh, guys, before we, we got a couple more segments or questions here, but uh, for those listeners who are on the edge of their seat and uh, I need to get in contact with these guys, what's the website or how do they reach out to you guys? The website is um, www.plesandandsorrow.com, so and spelled out, A-N-D. And sorrow, S-A-U-R-O. Yes. Right, yeah. And Bob, there's, and uh, they, there's and actually a contact form on the website, okay. so uh, yeah. that would be the best place. And to if they want to call your front desk, is your phone number? Yes, 404-892-2100, and you can ask for either one of us. And you're located here in Buckhead, right? We're in the Queen Building. The Queen Saint Building. Yeah, yeah. Saint I saw the, the, call, but we saw, the, the whole rest of the world is Buck Edge, so you can be in Buck Edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were in Midtown for 25 years. Okay. They, they're on the Georgia podcast. I think be anywhere in Georgia. And I saw the picture on their website, too, yeah. That's right. That big building. They got the big building. All right. So let's talk about some traps for the unwary. Some of the What are some concrete examples of those that people have uh, kind of knowingly, well, I, I don't think you knowingly fall into a track, <laughs> but unknowingly or uh, misinformation that they ended up in a situation that, either they couldn't get out of, or how do you guys coach them to get out of a situation like that? What are some examples? Well, yeah, one, I'll add, one I'll add that follows on the discussion we just had about the oral agreements that okay. goes for emails too, and, and it's easier in, in an email at the end to say something like all for further discussion because you may have an email where you're talking about price and quantity, 
that maybe you haven't talked about warranty and so you don't want that deal to be binding yet if you're buying you know even a hundred washing machines and you're happy a hundred dollars each but you expect a two-year warranty you need that in the agreement too so that's one so at the end of the email just to say all for further discussion so you're not caught in the trap of having a deal so le- leaving off best regards and then say all for further discussion. It could be right before, <laughs> the right before anywhere in the content. It's it's funny because I thought about that as um uh, about emails and new technology. Mm-hmm. What about texting? Is that kind of can that get people in trouble as well? So yeah, same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Voicemails. Any wor- yeah. where you're using technology, right? Or yeah, and and any uh, communication. Sure, and as you all were discussing before about the you know if it's just two people in a room, yeah, and there's just a memory, but you know text can be printed out, so any of that can possibly be argued to be a contract in a situation. What about on Snapchat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly so. it disappears, but I'm not so sure. I'll Just leave the humor to Larry, apparently, <laughs> yeah. Here's a story that will illustrate a point. There was a manufacturer who went to her lawyer and said, would you tighten up this uh, homemade document? I think it's a little rough. And it gave a consultant a 25% interest in the company's earnings and uh, sale proceeds Whoa. in perpetuity. It needed to be tightened up. And so instead, the lawyer who looked at it said, wait a minute, look at this thing critically. It's not well-based, and it certainly is hopelessly confusing. And uh, it says it's in perpetuity. And so we're gonna, let's terminate it. So they terminated it. And the consultant ru- uh, sued in federal court and said, wait a minute, we had a deal in perpetuity. In fact, the brief that was filed uh, said, you can't terminate because it's in perpetuity. Then the next brief said, <coughs> statute from the 1840s says that a hiring in perpetuity is for an indefinite term and therefore at will. It's a nothing. Wow. So they had this <laughs> entire business plan based on this, this uh, false assumption. And so it's a great example of you got be- – even if they had beautiful language, which they didn't, they had very vague language. Uh, the whole thing was built on a house of sand. And fortunately, was resulted in uh, uh, that that nuisance was knocked away, and she was able to go on and sell profitably and comfortably uh, later. But it's a good example that these these rules they can matter in a practical setting, and they can mean money, and they can mean uh, risk, hidden risk. That when the person first came and said, "Hey, would you tighten this up a little bit?" had no idea. That the ri- of the risk that was buried in there. Hundred percent. Does uh, does Kevin O'Leary, Mister Wonderful, know about this issue of perpetuity? Because that's he his favorite word. Time. Every episode, right? I want that royalty in perpetuity. That's dangerous. <laughs> well, that's that's when you get back <laughs> yeah. to renegotiation. Yeah. And there's some special rules in royalties that are different because this is for a hiring. Okay, for Statues hiring, yeah, because hiring. yeah, because uh, he's going to be in Atlanta this weekend. Obviously, we're going to be uh, hanging out with uh, Mister Wonderful, so we'll we'll pass oh, yeah, your, your business card that. to him. Yeah. Right. So just for a hiring, right? Okay, just for a hiring. Language from the eighteen forties. But so, for, but but in t- so that's uh, earlier. That was a mis- misperception on my part when you mentioned that perpetuity issue. So that's re- that's regarding specifically to hiring, and could that vary from state to state, or is that a national issue? But in terms of uh, product revenue, it, that's a real thing, I guess. Perpetuity, right? In terms of sales, or j- well, in this case. What was happening is the consulting agreement yeah. was in perpetuity. The fees, consulting, or no, the 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 actual I will be your consultant in perpetuity, right. and in exchange I'll get all these other things in perpetuity, and and so so the 
how how long did this guy plan on living? <laughs> right? Because and and perpetuity exactly. the built into it to the next generation. No, no. Oh, oh okay. It, that was that was the problem. This was a rather greedy. <clears throat> yeah. As you can see, a greedy, greedy proposal uh, that resulted in a more than just a hand slap. Mm-hmm. And uh, the consultant's first response was, "You can't do that. I just bought a boat." Okay, so we've been talking about contracts. Uh, leave us with this thought. So uh, three core lessons to keep in mind. Yes. So, you know, the, for us, the, the, the biggest single thing to, to take away is the risk of hidden unenforceability. And you've seen it in various instances that we've talked about. Right. Uh, and basically, that making sure the document that you have is the document you think you have. So often we see that there's a gap. And what does this mean practically? It means three things. Utter clarity, follow the so easy to say rule. It means understanding and satisfying any special rules in areas like non-competes, warranties, hiring for an indefinite term. And it means making sure that there is all essential terms are addressed in the document and not outside the document, not in a handshake or not forgotten. So those would be, to my mind, the three core lessons to take away. It's what you want to do is make sure the document you have is the document you think you have. All right, guys, so uh, we're officially out of time here. I don't know if there's any uh, closing thoughts that we can keep to 17 seconds or less, but um, it's our pleasure having you in the studio. Uh, Our pleasure to be with you. Yep. So what's what's next? Is there anything, a uh, scoop you can give us or any um, any new business expansion you're working on or what's what's on the horizon? What are some of your next objectives or things you want to accomplish or practice overseas in um, uh, Istanbul or what, anything? Well, we've always uh, we had a pattern of working with uh, European clients coming to the U.S., okay. setting up manufacturing and distribution. So we're always open to those kinds of opportunities. And, uh, and we uh, love uh, acquisitions of all kinds. Our sweet spot is in the 5 to $25 million range. Uh, but we are, we're, not, we're agnostic, and we'll, uh, we'll look at uh, both purchases and sales. And uh, we love to roll up our sleeves and get involved in the details, and that's what these things are all about. It's attention to detail, being thorough and being careful and being practical. I love the idea of maybe striking a conversation about somebody acquiring a um, pro business channel, but we're thinking a hundred million range. So maybe that let me out of your sandbox. I don't know. Yeah. That would just be your first offer. I would think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, on that note, we'll see you next time. Uh, Rich Casanova on behalf of Michael Moore for the Georgia podcast. On behalf of the pro business channel, we thank you for listening to the Georgia podcast featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Join Rich Casanova for the next Georgia podcast and download on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.